Welcome to the G3X Conversations and the 501c3BS podcast brought to you by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofits at California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics. I'm your host, Zoo Velasco. We're here to talk about social enterprise in Orange County. I put this together for a few different reasons. One is it's a great program for us as the Center for Nonprofits. Another reason is because we have all this new infrastructure that has come up in Orange County around this issue. And I think it's important for people to know what's going on, that we're at the beginning of a movement in Orange County towards social enterprise. And I think it's a movement that's going on nationwide as well. And so uh, we have our panelists here, they're gonna have a conversation, but part of the reason to do this was just to have them all meet each other and to uh, have them interacting more together because they are the forefront of this movement. So very excited to have them as my guests. And now I'm gonna introduce to you our panel for today. I'll start with Todd Hansen. Todd Hansen is the vice president of the Orange County Community Foundation. They are the hub of the wheel in Orange County for, for uh, foundation giving to the nonprofit sector. And he is also the founder of the Social Innovation Fund Program, which I have been privileged to have had a small finger in um, uh, developing in some way, shape or form. And Todd, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that program? Sure. So the program started two years ago when uh, we were hosting an event for a bunch of um, private foundations and sitting at a table. Um, they all you know, got their starter, made money because they had a brilliant new idea and people invested in them. And they said, well, what if you're a nonprofit and you got a great new idea to do something? How, how do they get in those investments? And um, there isn't really a lot of funding out there, you know, because usually a funder wants to support something that's got a track record, you know, some sort of evidence. So a little more challenging to get, you know, support for a, a big new idea you have. And I would agree. So I love the idea. So I started the fund. We, we seeded it. And then we invited some organizations to apply. However, we told them, you may not get any funding because the way this works is if we like your idea, we're going to uh, have you present to a group of possible supporters. But if they don't like your idea, they're not getting any funding. So it's a bit of a risk for them to do it. However, they've all got support for it. Uh, so we do have a website for it also. And this is where we uh, drove donations this year. And, just, um, just to clarify a little bit, when you say that they, they apply and then the best ideas get accepted and then they have to pitch in front of a whole room full of funders who can fund part or all of their idea. And then you've done some really innovative things yourself by putting that online as you're showing us here so that people can continue to get funding after the pitch is over. Exactly. And um, so the website, we do have all the pitches recorded if anyone wants to watch them. Uh, this is for a project from his house where they we started this idea that actually wasn't new entirely, but new to Orange County, where they're connecting uh, college students who don't have any place to live with a senior who's got some extra space. It's called the Home Share OC, and um, it received a lot of support. They're up and running. So this is the, the, the specific fund that we have for social enterprise. But, you know, we fund things outside of the fund also. So we meet with nonprofits all the time. And they've got something that really you know is going to help the community in a certain way we'll do what we can to help it thank you todd and thank you for allowing me to be part of that i've been able to be part of that committee and and work as the pitch coach for the pitches on that so thank you for all you've done it's really a fantastic program 
And that brings us to Linda DiMario, Director of Community Engagement at Octane Foundation for Innovation. Linda, tell us what Octane is all about and what you do there. Thank you, Zoot. Hello, everyone. Uh, actually, uh, there are four pillars uh, to the uh, Octane platform, but I'm just gonna feature two. One is the, the community impact that Octane Launchpad has, which is when you realize that 2.85 billion with a B dollars have been raised um, to you know, launch over 667 companies in uh, Orange County in Southern California. Uh, the Octane Launchpad uh, costs nothing for the companies. It is a federally funded business development center. And because of its success ratio, it's one of the top five in the country. So I had to give a shout out to that because that's a very big way that uh, Octane impacts the quality of the live work experience in, in Orange County. The, the uh, Octane Foundation for Innovation uh, started several years ago was a way for Octane to expand its, its reach and impact into the community. And there were four initiatives um, that were thought of as being uh, quite essential uh, to the health and vitality of the county. One of them was women leaders. And that's just simply what we call our more agenda. More women startups going through Launchpad. More funding for women owned businesses. More networks and resources for women and more women on boards, because we know that that diversification is a very successful business paradigm. So that's the Women Leaders Initiative. And we're excited about our progress on all of those fronts. Uh, the second initiative is STEAM Fellows, sponsored by Broadcom Foundation. It allows us to go out and uh, recruit and, all, and to enhance the academic and career pathway experience of underrepresented and underserved populations in Orange County. So we're deliberately and intentionally uh, creating a more diverse uh, STEAM population and talent pool. Uh, the third initiative is the uh, Next Wave Leaders. And uh, this is the relatively newest one. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to uh, take it full advantage and leverage the amazing uh, business and community leadership that exists in Orange County and back it up with the next generation of leadership that will, again, uh, focus on enhancing and cultivating the live work experience in Orange County. And the fourth initiative is our nonprofit accelerator, which some of you know about. Um, this is underwritten by the Edwards Life Sciences Foundation. And we're very proud to say that it's our way of putting these, um, these uh, nonprofit programs through a rather rigorous uh, but adapted launch pad methodology. And as a consequence, help them to grow, um, scale and become more sustainable. So their impact is greater in the community. Awesome, that's, that's great work that you're doing. And that brings us to Isabel Bart. She is the executive director at RevHub and RevHub also works with the Cove. We could not get a representative of the Cove here. The Cove is, a social enterprise uh, connector at UC Irvine, but uh, maybe Isabel can kind of represent both organizations to some degree. Tell us a little bit more about RevHub, Isabel. Yes, I'll start with RevHub. And actually the Cove is not really a social enterprise um, incubator, so I can get to that after okay. and I'll explain the synergy between the two. 
Great. Um, so RevHub was um, recently founded. I've been the executive director starting the very first. So um, this is fairly new and we are committed to um, supporting social entrepreneurs in Orange County and beyond, um, not just with resources and content, but also um, through our accelerator program with funding. Because as many of you may know, um, a lot of the challenges for social enterprises, and I'm talking mostly for-profit social enterprises, right, is to get funded because a lot of investors, whether they're angel investors um, or VCs, um, typically look at profit numbers, which are the main criteria, and we are um, really committed to making impact a priority for our funding because we believe in social enterprise as a solution to transform some of our um, you know, problems in society. So RevHub um, has an incubation and acceleration program for social entrepreneurs. Now we have a partnership with Wayfinder, which is the uh, UCI incubator at Deal Applied Innovation. Uh, Wayfinder is an incubator that is only open to UC students, alumni, and staff. So you cannot get into um, the Wayfinder incubator if you are not, if you do not meet this criteria. Um, what is great is anybody coming in through Wayfinder who is a social entrepreneur um, as joined RevHub. So we currently, in our um, cohort, we have three entrepreneurs who actually came through Wayfinder but have joined RevHub because they are uh, building social enterprises. And vice versa, we also um, incubate social entrepreneurs who do not have to be affiliated with UCI at all. Um, and in our program, they will have access to all the resources from the Cove and Wayfinder advisors, uh, content, workshops, and so on. So we're kind of almost offering a twofer <laughs> for our entrepreneurs uh, with that partnership. Um, our main office is located at the Cove currently. We're also um, developing some other locations in Anaheim and Santa Ana um, that will be open. Shortly, obviously, COVID slowed down a lot of that. But um, I hope that answered your question about the COVID and, and RevHub and how we work together. Great. Thank you. Uh, so as you can see, a lot of great things happening in Orange County. And many of these things are new. The social... Um, the social impact, sorry, social innovation fund is just a few years old. RevHub is fairly new. Um, the work that Octane is doing, I think, in Orange County is is fairly new over the last few years. So you can see there's a lot of new energy happening in Orange County. And that brings us to one of the most energetic people I know, Ann Olin, who is the president and CEO of Charitable Ventures. And tell everyone what Charitable Ventures is doing in terms of social enterprise. Thank you, Zood, and thank you for bringing us all together. I, I love how you do this, and it's fantastic. Let me share my screen just briefly with everyone. I hope you can see it. Um, so what's interesting about Charitable Ventures is we have been around a while. I've been around a while, um, but nobody knows kind of that we're here or what we do. So this is a great opportunity for me to share. Um, so I like we're a nonprofit, and I like to describe us as a social sector incubator, but we do so much more. Um, some of you may know me as Ann Olin from the Olin Group. Uh, and in 2002, the Olin Group was founded and became a consultancy for nonprofits and foundations. 
2007, Charitable Ventures was born as a small incubator uh, in partnership with uh, the Community Foundation and in, in support, you know, with support from my company. And in 2019, we, I don't know if this was a good idea or not, I think it is, but in 2019, we merged the two entities, one for-profit, one nonprofit. And the resulting organization is a very large nonprofit that not a lot of people have insight into. Um, so I'm pleased to share with you a little bit today. Our mission, you can kind of see it in our logo, is to support social change. And we work with all stakeholders across many issues. And we do um, our work um, mostly in three different ways. Uh, we support collaborative regional projects. So for example, uh, we uh, received both the state funding and private funding uh, to support the 2020 census throughout Orange County. So we were privileged to be the holder of, and administrator of those funds and pushed out those funds uh, and that effort across 400 organizations in the region. Um, we also incubate uh, emerging community projects. Again, our uh, focus is on social sector work specifically. Um, and then we also still offer the consulting uh, that the Olin Group offered. So the Olin Group didn't go away. It just now lives in this different form. Um, I think that the power of incubation, Zud and I have talked about this before, is so amazing. Um, one of my favorite examples of the power of incubation um, in Orange County has been the story of Project Kinship, who came to us in 2014, two amazing community leaders, had $25,000 and a heart to reimagine how we serve people coming out of incarceration. Uh, today, they are about to emancipate. They're seven million a year. They have over 60 employees. They serve over 5,000 people a year and they have dramatically changed how Orange County serves that vulnerable population. So that is the power of incubation and our privilege to support. Uh, and the other thing I would say is that as we work so hard to launch sustainable, viable nonprofit businesses, that there, there is no sustainability or viability that doesn't incorporate social enterprise as a part of the mission and the business model. So we are strong believers in that and all of our incubation supports and all of our consulting supports really are geared to building these social enterprises for the nonprofits. Thank you, Zoo. If I can brag for a minute on Anne, um, Anne is part of a podcast that we're doing in our season because she is part of a group that I did a research project on this summer where they were groups of people who grew phenomenally during the Great Recession when everybody else was shrinking. And Ann Olin's group grew the most of anyone in Inland Empire and Orange County growing 3,800% between the Great Recession and 2018. And she was founded just before the Great Recession started and then did this phenomenal growth. So um, she knows how to incubate and um, she has incubated herself <laughs> in many ways. So uh, kudos to that. And we'll, we'll have that in the podcast feed if you're interested. And that brings us to our last panelist today, uh, a man that I've come to know well because we're colleagues at California State University Fullerton. <clears throat> Uh, John Brad Bradley Jackson is the director of the California State University Fullerton Center for Entrepreneurship. 
It's, he also runs the Small Business Institute and the CSUF Startup Incubator. We like to call him JJ. So JJ, tell us a little bit more about all these things that you do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can call me JJ. There are actually too many people named John Jackson in the world. And I've discovered that most have bad credit, by the way. So I get asked about that quite <laughs> a bit when, when I'm going for a loan or something like that. So I'm a full-time professor in the classroom uh, entrepreneurship is a major, uh, just like physics or geology. Uh, it's a small program. We have about 200 students that are full-time uh, studying entrepreneurship, and they aspire to make the world a better place. And by doing that, they're going to change everything, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Uh, we did launch a, an incubator uh, about six and a half years ago. And we've had two locations in Orange County, one in Irvine and one in Placentia. Uh, we have incubated about 80 companies uh, during that period. And that's really like a, a candy store for me. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, outside of the university, I founded Titan Angels LLC, which is a seed investment company. And uh, we invest in early stage startups. Uh, and then my background, I'm a Silicon Valley guy. Uh, originally, I took a tour on Wall Street uh, in the capital markets, helping people go public. And I learned about uh, uh, greed with a capital G. So, uh, which brings me to my third career, uh, the last uh, 15 years or so at the university. That's my summation. JJ was nice enough to have me speak in his entrepreneurship classes, and I asked the students how many of them wanted to do some kind of social enterprise, and half of the hands went up, um, because I was brought in to talk about the nonprofit side of social enterprise, and I was just astounded at how many people are really interested in social enterprise um, who are interested in enterprise. Um, so that, that for me was astounding, and it was shortly after that 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 Todd uh, started working on the Social Innovation Fund, and I had a hand in that. And then I started hearing about Octane and RevHub and saw what Charitable Ventures was doing in my research project. And it just occurred to me that there was a lot going on in a tidal wave towards social enterprise. And I've noticed in the nonprofit sector that there's becoming more and more social enterprise within organizations and more and more um, for-profit social enterprise are, are leading towards either starting a, a nonprofit or partnering with nonprofits. And so there's a lot going on here for our sector. I was going to take a step back for just a second. Um, I don't know, you know, um, we have a lot of uh, attendees here. And one of the questions that comes up all the time, I'm sure the other panelists here, it is, what is social enterprise? What, you know, what... Um, is my is my enterprise a social enterprise, right? And I don't know, JJ, what um, you know how you deal with that question. Typically, one of the frameworks that we've been using, um, and I know they are using it too um, in some areas of UCI, like the Entrepreneur Center, is really the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. So, if you are not familiar with them, um, you know I can show you a quick. Um, a quick snapshot of that, and you can Google it easily. Um, so you, United Nations uh, have these 17 sustainable development goals. Um, again, easy to find on Google. Um, typically, 
the first step is to have um, your, your mission or you know, your, your reason for existing as an enterprise linked to at least one of those goals. And they have a lot of sub goals. So if you're looking for ideas on what to measure, you know, under no hunger, for example, you can have access to other goals that the United Nations developed. Um, so not only do we um, talk about a social enterprise typically will have, will match one of more of these sustainable development goals. And also um, that is part of their governance in general. So they are committed to that impact and reaching these goals as being as important as making money, for example. So I just wanted to cover that for attendees who might be um, asking the question or not familiar with, the, with these goals. I think this is a, first, a good first step um, when an entrepreneur is kind of trying to figure out if they would be a social enterprise and how could they become one, which is a whole different conversation, but just wanted to bring that up. Bring that up. Yeah, I think it's worth saying too that the difference between a for-profit and a non-profit social enterprise is that a for-profit social enterprise will have a dual bottom line, some mission in the community and making a profit. Whereas a non-profit social enterprise, the, the mission in the community is the bottom line. Um, Linda, you wanted to say something? Uh, yes, I, I feel like I'm um, I feel like I'm treading in uh, in water that belongs to the more serious experts on this panel. But I, I have been at the helm of several nonprofits in my career. And I think what's interesting to note is that the whole notion of social enterprise, uh, social entrepreneurship, um, th that term really didn't exist um, you know, 20 years ago. It wasn't, it, it wasn't understood in the same way. And yet there were organizations that were taking very early steps in that direction, recognizing the value of a hybrid, for example. Um, so I think it's encouraging that it now has taken on a real structure, a real form and function. And I see that uh, in the work that I've been doing with Octane's uh, foundation, uh, because I have a good uh, fortune of working with people like Anne and, and Isabel and, and Todd and others. So I'm seeing it uh, up close and personal. And I think the value of it and what we're sharing with a next generation of nonprofits that perhaps did not see uh, that opportunity is, is going to be really long lasting, very sustainable and very impactful in Orange County. And thank you, Todd, for putting in the chat the uh, definition that the Community Foundation is using, social enterprise is the process of developing and deploying effective solutions for challenging and often systematic uh, issues in support of social progress. As often my um, students will ask me, is this a social enterprise or is this just a program of our, of our organization? And I'll say, if the, if the program is a net profit program that you're using that profit to go back into your organization, then that's a social enterprise as opposed to just a program. Uh, Isabel, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to also speak. I know we're maybe more in the nonprofit angle here in this conversation. Um, and I've served on three different nonprofit boards. So, you know, I know we're starting to use this jargon of social enterprise in nonprofits a lot. Um, you know, I think from an organizational effectiveness, something for people to ponder in my mind is when you're in a nonprofit organization and you're very dependent on donations and grants. Um, and a lot of that is 
unpredictable for the most part, right? And we've seen that with COVID last year, a lot of organizations missed their target on grants because everybody was giving to essential needs or, you know, things that if you are not in that space, you may have had issues with. And I've experienced it myself with one of the organizations I, I help. Um, so I think the idea here is um, to, you know, have a, a sustainable source of income for social enterprise and really break that dependence on the grant funding if possible, because it's fantastic if you get it, it's always an additional, you know, cherry on top of the cake. But when you think about the resources you need, whether it's staff, even focus, you know, time and effort to do fundraising. And if a lot of it, you can't even necessarily predict your success based on, you know, typical criteria you will apply in other, you know, things you do, um, you know, it, it, it can be a challenge, right? So I think the idea is, can you build you know, social enterprises using really business, and there is nothing wrong with using business strategies to have that sustainability long-term and that income that eventually almost runs itself. And that is more, again, predictable and can help you grow and scale long-term, long which, is, which is really, you know, what, what we're talking about. Um, because I've seen too many nonprofits really, you know, hang to the, you know, to... <laughs> To the thing like hoping that you know it doesn't go in the right the wrong direction um but it's you know to me it's really breaking that codependence and thinking about using the market forces um for the you know to to help make the world a better place i think as jj mentioned that earlier and, yeah, and sorry. I, i'm sorry um and had her hand up and then we'll go to to jj but jj do you have something specifically about this yeah absolutely i uh I'm approached by nonprofits all the time that uh, are starting or running that are um, uh, revenue starving, right? And uh, it's that wishful thinking of relying upon uh, donors and grants that I, I think is the root cause. So I would look at uh, the nonprofit, the expanded version of the social enterprise. Uh, you need to have a business model and a business model is how you're going to make money. And uh, it should be something that provides value to the community, to the client, to the customer. And that is then repeatable and scalable. Uh, so it, it's a, a, a simple concept, but it's, it's actually a leap from uh, what I think is uh, a mindset that uh, somehow we're going to get saved by the donors. Anne, go ahead. You know, I, I think I'm just going to piggyback on the good thoughts of Isabel and JJ. I want to create a link to the, the nature of innovation, which is to risk failure. And there's another component of being reliant on philanthropy and donations, because I think Todd can speak to this to great length. A majority of it is fairly conservative and still restricted. And so to create safe space for failure, to create a, a pool to attempt new things. You know, innovation is about trying new things. Most nonprofits don't have an R&D department. They don't have access to venture capital. Um, the revenue sources are fairly traditional, fairly conservative, and fairly limited. 
Government contracts are very structured and restricted, and many donors want their funding to go here and there. I, I suspect Todd knows every donor out there um, that has a different orientation to their philanthropy, and it's probably not the majority. So when I think about the power of incubation or just sitting across the table from a community leader who has a beautiful idea, one of the things we talk about is, okay, you're gonna need a lot of passion and a lot of grit, and you're gonna need to be able to tolerate failure. Um, and you're also going to need to look for alignment and leverage, and you need to test the market. You may be ahead of the market. And if you can't self-fund or you can't figure out an enterprise to bring earned income in 100%, you're going to have to balance that. So those are the conversations you have with someone with passion and a good idea and an untested strategy to deal with the social challenge. Can you line up? Can you time it right? Can you align to the right partners and the right revenue sources to bring that innovation to the market of, of the social sector? Um, and that's the dance and that's the privilege um, but really it's about safe space to fail, safe space to take risk and leveraging the, those limited resources small businesses have at the beginning to catalyze success going forward. So I think I'm, I'm hopefully, I think I'm agreeing with Isabel and JJ there, um, but the nature of philanthropy and that it's more conservative uh, is another reason why social enterprise is so powerful. And I invite Todd to completely disagree with me if he likes. <laughs> no, um, I'll just, just tag on just briefly that I do giving plans for donors, you know, like how you can direct your funds. And I don't can't remember any instance where they said, well, let's put aside some money for new ideas that might fail. You know, I'm willing to make this grant knowing it's not going to, it may not work. Um, you don't hear that very often at all. And so they really take a change of mindset and for philanthropists to understand you know, that that may, might happen and to be willing to risk in that because it also might be widely successful. You know, um, I mentioned this study that I did this past summer of which Charitable Ventures was one of the, the stars of. You know, we, we looked at 6,500 organizations and only 29 grew from small to large during the recession. And 83% uh, of those 29 grew completely on earned income. None of them had traditional fundraising as part of what they did. Um, about a third of them grew on contracts, government contracts, or you know other contracts. About a third grew on fees for services, and a third grew through social enterprise. But it's important to know that earned income is not just social enterprise. It can be contracts, it can be fees for service as well, and a lot of fees for service can become social enterprise as well too. But um, I just wanted to throw that into the conversation. Thank you to the Gene Eschy Center for Nonprofit Research, California State University Fullerton, and the College of Business and Economics for supporting our podcast. Our supporters include the Orange County Community Foundation, Southern California Gas Company, and you, our listeners. Thanks for the music provided to us by the California-based Brazilian Coro Ensemble, Grupo Falso Baiano. Have a great week free from BS. <laughs>